Welcome to the Global Aftermarket Solutions Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dimmick. We are back after some time away. Just a reminder, this is where you come to hear conversations with leaders of the Global Aftermarket Solutions Group. And our guest this time is Phil Pollack, the Global Manager for Construction Industries Aftermarket Solutions. Phil, we almost could have done a podcast just on what it took to find this room. Yeah, it was a bit of a trials and tribulations. So we've had a good tour of the LC building. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would probably last about 30 seconds. So we'll, we'll, we'll move on to other subjects. You've been in your position more than a year now. What were your goals going in? Three things really came to mind around that was first to get a sense of the capabilities of the team and ultimately building a highly engaged, high performance team given the complexities of what we were asked to do for the construction industry's aftermarket. So I think we've made that journey. Um, when we came in, we had about 72 people in the group. We've grown the organization by 30%, been very purposeful about how we've aligned capabilities, resources into areas of the strategy that really matter to us moving forward and starting to see that relationship of how high performing team translates activities into outcomes and results for the business from that. So that was probably the number one thing. Number two was about bringing, taking the complexity of the construction industry's aftermarket business down to a point that we were first thinking about the customer. And then subsequent to that, making sure that we had a clear strategy that people could rally behind and understanding where was the concentration of our opportunity where did we need to allocate resources and consciously bias the time that we would spend to have the greatest returns for the business? Because ultimately we've been in this challenge for construction industries in the aftermarket side of having flat top line for three years, significant lost opportunity from a profit contribution for the business as on behalf of construction industries for Tom Pellet's group. So how do we bring strategy to bear that would give us the capability to get our team focused in the areas working with our dealers via leadership tables that would have the greatest impact to address that curve and that challenge that we've had historically? When you talk about reducing complexities, what, do you, what does that entail? We're, so the construction industry's aftermarket business is not a business that's constructed on million dollar transactions every time a customer comes through a dealer workshop. It's a multitude of transactions that average between $300 a transaction to $20,000 a transaction. It's rare that we'll get a half a million dollar transaction. It's not to say that we don't from an aftermarket, they do happen, but we are a retail-like business and that complexity, to do that, you need to be across a lot of different things to make sure that all of the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. But making sure that the team had a clarity of mind to say there's five things that matter for the aftermarket for construction. It's GET, hydraulics, drivetrain, retail, and managed accounts. And then to be able to articulate it that way for the team to be able to then turn around and say, here's how I am taking the day-to-day -day work that I do to drive an outcome. And here are the supporting activities and the support from the central teams and the various organizations such as PSLD to help me grow the business in a much more concise structure. Right. And right. Yeah, clarity. That yeah. Way. And clarity has been probably the biggest thing that we've had to bring to that part of the business. 
together with dealers, your people have achieved some customer success stories. Can you share some of those? Yeah, I think it's over the last year, it's seeing this momentum build behind the strategy. And I think there's numerous examples where we sort of learned our way into things and advances conversions. Last, on average, for the last three years, we have done about 400 base edge assemblies a year. By the end of this year, we'll be doing 250, 250 to 300 base edge conversions every month. Every one of those base edge conversions can, contributes about $12,500 worth of incremental parts orders. So the team has been very focused on that. And Milton Cat was probably our first example where we went in and had a zero baseline. A rep sat down with the dealer and got a clear understanding of the definition of winning on both sides of the ledger. Did the demand planning the right way, so the right inventory at the right spot at the right time. And in the fourth quarter of 17, did 35 conversions. This year we'll do 150, 200 conversions which is all incremental. And the great thing from that, that is just not converting cat machines. They're converting competitive machines across to a Caterpillar proprietary system, which locks in the aftermarket opportunity for us as well. Um, <clears throat> another great example, I think, is Get Connected. So connecting assets that are in the field mm -hmm. so we've got a better understanding of the customer utilization opportunity. We started out the year and a lot of challenges around Unified Suite and the concerns about quality and durability and sustainability of the system. We got beyond that. The team went down to a very granular level of planning with the dealers and we threw the challenge out there and it looks like we're well on track now. For CI we've connected over 100,000 incremental assets this year. We're on track to hit our full year plan now. The key out of that I think was showing how well-structured change management plans at an individual dealer level and disciplined governance around that has helped turn what was this insurmountable challenge of 130,000 assets that could give anyone in it indigestion just thinking about the enormity of that, breaking it down to an individual rep level to say, I need to do 500. And my contribution to that big prize is much more attainable. So that's been great. Um, but I think there's numerous examples across the big rocks for CI between advances conversions with GET, the work the team is doing on managed accounts, a much more granular understanding of what are our biggest accounts. We have 142 managed accounts, 40 of those account for 90 pops or greater, and we have a large tail that is underperforming. So the team now has that level of understanding of where are the counts, what are the issues, and how are we protecting and growing. Um, similar in retail. Last year, well, beginning of this year, we released a program in North America called Trust Advisor. And why, what we were aiming to do is to re-engage dormant customers who are retail in nature. So they own one to three machines, one is a cat, but they've been dormant with Caterpillar for over 24 months. So haven't bought a part from us in 24 months. Working with the North American dealers, we released the program, sent out 38,000 direct mailers, had 7,000 responses. 20% of the responses were dormant customers. So what we've done is bought contact details, understanding of their needs, and 100, and, I think it was 180 valid leads back into the business.
So we're replicating that again in 2019 and taking that global to re-engage with retail customers. And then I think the team has done some great work around hydraulics and repair options in varying degrees. Hydraulics is by far our largest lost opportunity. We have a much better understanding of what are the, what I would say, skeletons in the closet of what we need to do to get our house in order to be able to then work with the dealers to help them on a purposeful growth agenda wrapped around it. Let's talk about lessons in the leadership. You, you came into this position after holding leadership positions in GCI. Did, when you came in, you're the new guy. Does your leadership change, your leadership style change? I think it does. Um, it's easy to say that you continue down the path you've been before, but you're coming into an environment that you are not their expert. Um, I came from the machine side of the business. Most of my career has always been on the machine side. Now I'm in the aftermarket. It's a completely different language. It's a different vernacular and acronyms we use, different systems. So you've got to be humble enough to ask the dumb questions and probe your way through to get clarity in where you want. But at the same stage, being willing to have the empathy to work with the team and help get the clarity you want from the business, but also help them take away the mystery associated to the areas that they've worked on. So it was a lot of time spent working with the team, asking the right and the wrong questions, taking a customer view. And I think that would be the one thing consistent from a leadership was customer is what matters. We have a, an ability to too often or not gravitate to what we want out of the business versus thinking the customer first pressure testing the team's thinking around that and then subsequently from that creating plans to be able to move forward. Um, but I think it's also a question of meeting and getting to know people. I have a, a philosophy that every new facility that I work in or where I've been in a team I want to get to know who people are, what motivates them. So my leadership style will be much more attuned to getting to know the team, what motivates them, what demotivates them, building a composition in your direct reports of how do you get the best out of me? How do I get the best out of you? And what should I be aware of that you don't like? And giving people flexibility to say, this is your business to run. I'm here to help. I'm not here to hinder. So it's more about communication, collaboration, a dialogue, and having the understanding that you will make some mistakes along the way, but having the self-confidence to say that is part of a broader agenda and continuing to keep ultimately what I think is your vision of where you want to go is the true north. You'll course correct along the way but making sure you're asking the right questions and engaging the right people and thinking about transformationally what do we need to do differently to build on the legacy before but create something that is going to endure over that time. Is there anything unique about what motivates people in CI as opposed to other groups? Um, I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, the universal element that I find for everyone in Caterpillar is ultimately we want to serve the customer and make the customer successful. And I think our customer is both the dealer, internal business partners are our customer, and at the end of the day, the true customer is the end users. So as long as we can keep centred around customer first from a thinking and not cook our own soup, then I think we are universal in the intent of what we're trying to do. 
Now, rightfully so, I think along that journey, you've got to make sure that we are keeping collaboration at heart because ultimately winning in the business is a team sport. It's not an individual contributor mindset because there are so many interdependencies in the aftermarket that distribution plays a critical role in terms of the dealer capacity and capability. Um, PSLD and the body of work they do to provide the component strategy and the availability and the logistics structure. The work that our teams do to make sure that we're aligned with the dealer and executing the right initiatives and the list goes on. So to me the element of leadership and the, and the element that we always need to gravitate back to is winning as a team sport and having a game plan that everyone understands, is rallied behind and understands their position they play makes it much easier. Anytime you have global in your title, it, it means long hours, it means extensive travel, it means a lot of time on planes. What, what are some of your secrets to staying effective while you're having to deal with all that? Yeah, it's a great question and I've been through it. I've traveled a lot for pre-Caterpillar and during Caterpillar and to me an element of what my personal belief is healthy mind, healthy body. Um, so from a personal side, it's not for the faint-hearted. You've got to remain fit through that because it can become arduous. So I maintain a regimen associated to exercise and trying to eat well and, and get sleep. At the end of the day, we're not robots. The body needs to be in peak form to run the marathon that we do. But I also think it's about quality versus quantity. Um, so I'm very purposeful when I travel. If I'm traveling, I'm gonna get as much as I can in the time that I travel to mitigate having to go again. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same stage, having an, an intent of what you wanna do and getting conclusions from things rather than just another meeting on top of a meeting. I picked up some great tips. I worked with Ed Rapp um, in Asia Pacific when he was there. And I think there's things that Ed talked about with his own approach with scrubbing your calendar and making sure of the meetings, are you giving yourself the bandwidth in between to have the intellectual time to be prepared? Scrubbing the calendar to say, is this really important? And asking people when they're coming to meet with you is, is there pre-material available? Is there an outcome that's coming with that rather than we get caught in a lot of meetings just talking rather than making right. decisions. They just lead and, to other meetings. Yeah. So quality versus quantity, communication is king. Spending the time to use the communication tools we have today between Yammer, WhatsApp, other means, video conferencing capabilities. So I do a lot of my one-on-ones as much as I can with WhatsApp and other things from a video perspective. So it's, you don't have to be traveling, you can still have that same interaction. So I think it's using the tools that are available, keeping in constant communication with your team to keep clarity about what's working, what's not, and what are the challenges. Um, and not being afraid to delegate meeting requests to people within the team as a developmental opportunity as well. You don't have to be in everything, but use it as a means to bring visibility and opportunity to others around that. And finally, I just find, I feel that I'm pretty regimented in how I manage time when I'm traveling. I'm not gonna sit in airports for hours, get me there the fastest I can, so that way I'm maximizing the time that I've got so I can spend quality time with the family. 
It's all great from a work perspective, but it's that balance for me between professional and personal that needs to be kept in check. We'll let you go so you can catch a shuttle. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> in keeping with that, uh, stay well and uh, thanks for the time today. No, thank you very much. Let me remind listeners, you can find all our podcasts at gasd.cat.com. And you can subscribe to these podcasts on iTunes. You'll automatically get the new ones that way. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us.